0: there. I'm Cindy Linden and this is the Cook Along podcast. It has come to my attention that people want to know how I make my pot pie. Pot pies are one of the world's comfort foods and they might seem kind of threatening to somebody who's never made one before. My oldest son today told me that pot pie is one of the favorite recipes of mine that he cooks on a regular basis And he said it's also where he learned to make this roux and how to use it in all of its various ways. So on his recommendation, actually, I am cooking this today because I spoke with him and he told me how much he likes it and I thought I should share it with you. The cool thing is that once you've made one pot pie of one kind of pot pie, you can make any kind of pot pie because kind of like a quiche, There are some basic ingredients that have to be used in basic ways. And once you have those pieces down, you can put almost anything inside your pot pie. I'm going to do chicken today. We're going to do a sort of traditional chicken pot pie. It's got vegetables in it. But you could do tuna. You could do shrimp. You could do something Cajun flavored. You could do something Mexican flavored. There are all kinds of things you could do. Once you have the general principles down. So my purpose today in helping you with this is to give you those basics so that you can get creative and do things I never thought of. Before we get started, you can find the list of ingredients on my website if you want to see them ahead of time. And the website is thecookalongpodcast.com, and you'll scroll down a little and see the picture of the pot pie, and then you'll know you're in the right place. You click on that, and you'll get the list of ingredients. If you want the full recipe after you hear this in a printed version, you can find that on my Patreon site. Go to patreon.com and type in the Cookalong Podcast, and you will find my page there. And uh, some ideas about how to get to the recipes if you really want them. There's also a Facebook page that I hope you will visit if you have any questions or comments, things you'd like to say about this recipe, requests you'd like to make about other recipes, things you'd like to just ask me in general. Contact me on the Facebook page, which is the regular facebook.com, and then type in again the Cookalon podcast, and you will find me. I was just brushing some flour off my hands. It's funny how noisy that is, isn't it? (laughs) So the the pot pie has, I'm going to say it has three steps, three major steps, okay? The first being that you need to make a crust. If you really don't want to make a crust, you can go out and buy refrigerated crust. You need two crusts, enough for a two crust pie because it has a lid on it. I'm going to tell you now that the pie crust I'm going to make right here and right now that you can listen to me on is available on the website as a separate recipe. I'm just going to walk you through it here because it's so easy and it's so fast and so completely not scary that I'm just going to do it so that you have the whole recipe in one place. So the pie crust is the first piece. And like I said, you can skip it by buying something pre-made if you want to. The second step is making the filling. So you make your gravy, and then you have your already cooked meats and or vegetables, whatever you're going to put in it, and those go into the gravy. And so that's the second part. Also very simple, and it includes a really basic step for making any kind of gravy or sauce. So it's a really helpful skill to learn. The third part is putting the filling into the crust, and putting the completed pie into the oven and baking it. Those are the big pieces. We're going to tackle them one piece at a time. Let's start with the list of ingredients. You need a couple of Yukon gold potatoes, equivalent of probably once they're chopped up, maybe a cup. And I like to use Yukons. You could use any potato. I like to use Yukons because they're sweet, they're tender, and you don't have to peel them. You need some carrots, some fresh carrots. You could use frozen carrots, they're already chopped. It's another shortcut that would make your life easier. I'm gonna chop some today. You need about three quarters of a cup of them chopped, and those will diminish because we're gonna cook them in the microwave and it'll get down to about a half cup once we've cooked them. Half cup of butter, a third of a cup of chopped onion. I have to tell you, this is weird for me because I don't think of these amounts. I've gotten to the point where I don't really measure anything. I just put in what looks like the right amount. You'll get to that point too. Once you've made a couple of these pies, you'll just throw in what looks right to you because it's that simple. A half a cup of flour. You always need the same amount of flour as you've used of the butter. A teaspoon of salt. A half a teaspoon of dried thyme. And I prefer the leaf thyme to the ground thyme. A quarter of a teaspoon or so of pepper, and that can either be ground pepper or you can grind some freshly. You need a one and a quarter cups of chicken broth, and that can come from a aseptic container or a can, either way. Three quarters of a cup of some kind of heavy milk. Whole milk whipping cream is really good. I don't have those things today. I am just out. So I'm going to use probably some pea milk, which is also quite thick and creamy, and I happen to have it, or I may decide to use a can of condensed milk, that also works. No, sorry, evaporated milk. Oh my goodness, don't use condensed milk, that has a ton of sugar in it. No, evaporated milk, oh my gosh, that would be a disaster, <laughs> that would be so awful. I would have realized that when I got down into the basement where my pantry is and was looking at them, <laughs> but. So I wouldn't have made it that way, but just please ignore when I said the word. Yeah, I'm not going to say it again. Okay, and then uh, if you have it, this is optional, but it really adds a sort of nice sophistication and complexity to the flavor. If you have a little dry white wine in the house... I keep a small container of boxed dry white wine in my refrigerator all the time so that I can use it to flavor things. You just need like a tablespoon or two tablespoons. I'll probably use two today. And what I have here is made by Vendange, and it's a Chardonnay. I also have a little aseptic container in the refrigerator door of uh, something red. What the heck is this? Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, which you could use if you were making a pot pie that was beef-based. A Chardonnay, a Pinot Grigio, a Sauvignon Blanc, something that is pretty dry. You don't want a lot of sweetness in that wine. And then about two cups of cooked, cubed chicken. And you can boil a chicken breast or two. You can microwave something. You can roast something. Honestly, honestly. I use Costco's rotisserie chicken that is already packaged. I bring those packages home. I think they're two and a half pounds or something like that. And I split those packages up. They're just chunks of chicken breast that have been stripped off the bones for us. And I divide that into half pound packages and seal them up really tightly and throw them in my freezer. So I'm going to pull one of those out. You could also use canned chicken, I suppose, if you wanted to do that. Canned chicken breast. You need about a half pound of pre-cooked chicken. That's good to keep on hand. It just is useful if you decided at the last minute that you want to make fried rice for dinner, chicken fried rice, or a Uh, enchiladas or something that needs pre-cooked chicken, you just pull it out of the freezer. If you don't have that, just boil up a chicken breast. I wouldn't do anything fancy with it, really. You just want to make sure it doesn't get all dried out, which is why I'm suggesting the probably less than appetizing idea of boiling it. Just throw it in some water, bring it to a boil, give it a few minutes. When it's not pink in the middle anymore, pull it out, and you can use that, chop it up, and you're good to go. And then you want a half a cup of frozen peas and a half a cup of corn, frozen corn. These things are totally interchangeable. If you don't like corn in your pot pie, but you do like uh, green beans in your pot pie, use green beans, any frozen vegetable, any fresh vegetable. The only thing with the fresh vegetables is you have to cook them ahead of time. They have to be softened and mostly cooked before you stir them into the pie filling. All right. That's all the ingredients. The do-ahead would be to preheat your oven. You're going to cook it hot. Preheat it to about 425 degrees. And if in my house, at least that takes a while. So give it some time. Although I may be able to use my, I think I'll use my toaster oven, which heats up a lot faster. So I don't have to worry about it yet. Now because my chicken is frozen and I didn't think ahead about what I was making for dinner tonight, I have taken my sealed package here, which I vacuum sealed back when I got it and divided it up and put it into a bowl of warm water where it will soften up to the point where I can cut it. It doesn't have to be completely defrosted. It just needs to be choppable into little chunks. I'm jumping in post-podcast here to let you know that if you've decided to use a ready-made pie crust, you can jump forward to 23 minutes and 40 seconds where we'll pick up the actual filling for the pie. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. So Now let's make a crust into a small bowl. We're going to spoon one and three quarters cups of flour. Oh, you know what? I forgot to put this in the ingredient list. So let's pretend we're still talking about the ingredient list, all right? This is the crust now. You need one and three quarters cups of regular all-purpose flour, a teaspoon of salt, A half cup of some kind of vegetable oil. It can be any oil, actually. Avocado oil, canola oil, even olive oil, if you don't object to the stronger flavor of that. And some cold water. So the first thing is to put the cup and three quarters of flour. I'm spooning it into the cup, the measuring cup. That may seem silly because you'd think that more flour might be better But your crust will actually be easier to work with if you spoon it into a cup rather than just scooping it out of the bin. So, one and three quarters cups and then add your teaspoon of salt. Any kind of salt, not important. I'm using regular sea salt. You could use kosher salt or table salt or whatever. Table salt, but I'm sure you've heard my rant already about iodine. So, caution! And then uh, just sort of stir those together. And here, if you wanted to, I'm not going to do this today, but you could, and I have done it quite successfully, you could get creative. You could decide at this point that you want the crust to have its own particular personality. And you could add a teaspoon of some sort of an herb, a dried herb, or of granulated powdered garlic, or granulated onion. You know what? I am. I have some toasted granulated onion. Where the heck is that? Yeah. I'm going to actually add some of that to this crust. I think that would be really fun. So as you can tell, this can be a spontaneous last-minute decision. So I'm putting in about a teaspoon of that. It's a little bit shy, but that's okay. doesn't matter. And now, stirring those dry things all together. And then... You just pour in your half a cup of oil. And we're going to stir that up again. And what this is going to do is make sort of a... It's sort of going to look like pie crust, actually. It's just going to be a really seriously pasty, oily kind of pie crust. This is the point where if you forget the next step, you're going to end up with something kind of... It's edible, but it's odd. The last time this happened, my youngest son, he, he was trying to make a pumpkin pie... And he just, he looked at this, he he mixed the flour and the oil together, and he looked at it, and he thought, gosh, that's too dry. I can't, I can't possibly turn that into a pie crust. It's too dry. So he added a little more oil until it looked right to him. And then he rolled it out. And it, you know, interestingly enough, it worked okay, but it didn't taste right. (laughs) And it was really heavy and dense. And that's because... In order to make this light and flaky, it needs the third ingredient. So the first is the flour. The second is the oil. The rest is trimming, you know, the salt or seasonings or whatever. But it desperately needs three tablespoons now of cold water. Just plain old tap water, but kind of cool. So let it run for a minute. What this does is, as I'm sure you're aware water and oil don't mix well together and because they don't mix well together they have this sort of internal battle within the flour mixture and what that does is separate things so that you get this flakiness. The oil is pushing away from the water and vice versa and makes sort of these openings in the flour and that's why you can't leave out this third ingredient now you don't have to mix it a ton with a spoon you start to see it sort of striated and it's going to be a little goopy for a minute and then you could just use your hand and move it around in the in the bowl don't feel like you have to mix it to the point where everything's really well combined it's like meat marbling you know where you can see the stripes are striations of fat you kind of want the same thing when you're looking at the pie crust i will take a picture of this for you now you need some equipment and i probably should have mentioned this to you earlier the equipment you need is either parchment paper or some good sturdy plastic wrap or a, a pie what the heck do they call this pie crust bag i have a pie crust bag which is this zippered circular plastic surface, two surfaces. You put the pie crust inside of it, and then you zip it closed, and then you roll it out, and your roller never actually touches the pie crust. So any of those things, you're going to need a piece for the bottom below the crust and a piece for the top of the crust, and you're going to need a rolling pin. Although, again, I learned from my sons, one of whom couldn't find their rolling pin. By the way, this is the same one who didn't remember to put the water in the pie crust. He ended up using a a Tarani syrup bottle as a rolling pin. So you can use that. You can use a, uh, what do you call it, a water bottle, you know, water container. You can use anything that's heavy enough to push on and that you can roll. So get creative if you have to. Now we want to put a little flour on whatever your bottom surface is. If you're using parchment paper or plastic wrap, Start by putting a few drops of water on the surface you're going to put that plastic wrap on. That'll help keep it from sliding around. And then spread out your parchment paper or plastic wrap. It's probably 14 inches or so long. And put a little flour on it. And then pick up your dough. Make it into a ball, and right in the middle of the ball, pinch it with your hand, with your, with your forefinger and your thumb, pinch it right in the middle, and squeeze it until it splits in half. And then take one half, if one feels bigger than the other, use the bigger one for the bottom. Oh, did I tell you to flour it? you got water on the bottom of the table. And then you put your plastic down, and then you sprinkle a little flour on the plastic wrap, And then you put your pie crust on. And then you sprinkle a little flour on the top of the pie crust. And then you put your top plastic on. For me, that just means zipping the zipper all the way around. And then take your roller and make two indentations in one direction. So you've got hill, valley, hill, valley, hill. And then turn it. 45 degrees and do the same thing again. And now you have this kind of crisscross. What's that gonna do is help it stay round as we roll it out. You should have your pie pan nearby because that's the best way to eyeball when you've rolled it big enough. It doesn't matter how thin it is or how thick it is, as much as it does, that you know it's going to fit the diameter of the pan, not just the bottom, but go all the way up the sides of your pan. That's how you know when you're done rolling. My pipe plate here is, what is it? It doesn't even say how big it is. Isn't that funny? Oh, yes, it does. 24 centimeters. Well, I'm an ignoramus when it comes to that. I have no idea what that means in inches, so I'm going to measure it. So the bottom of this pan is... Eight and a half on the bottom. And the top of this pan is not quite 10 inches. That was just for your reference. Put the pan upside down on the dough that I'm rolling out. And I can see that where I have it right now, if it was going flat across the top, it would be big enough. But because it has to climb the sides, I know I have to keep rolling to make it somewhat bigger than that. That should probably do it. Once you've got your pie crust big enough to fit in the bottom of that pie pan, you want to really carefully peel off your top paper, whatever kind of paper it is. Just really gently peel it off and kind of work it as you're peeling so that you encourage the dough to stay attached to the bottom plastic. If it breaks, which mine just did, don't worry about it because you can patch it together later. All right, then once your plastic is off the top, take your pie plate and put it upside down on that pie crust and then flip the whole thing over so that now your pie crust is sitting inside your pie plate. And then we have to really gently and carefully peel off the remaining piece of plastic and again if it tears if it tears really badly you may have to start over but if it's just little tears don't worry about it we can patch it. We got plenty of dough left and so we can patch it. Now you might want to set aside your plastic if it looks like it could be used again because we're about to have to roll out the second crust Mine has some holes in it. I'm going to take a moment and grab a little dough out of what remains. Because, you know, the top crust doesn't need as much dough in it. It doesn't have to go down inside the pie pan. So if it's about the same size as what you used before, you've got plenty of extra dough that you can play with. So what you want is to make sure you've patched up any holes or any cracks and that your pie crust is tall enough to come up over the edge of your pan, cause we're gonna have to sort of seal the top and bottom crusts together. So you need a little something to work with there. So I'm just pulling it from the pie crust that I haven't rolled out yet in little bits and pushing it onto, I guess mostly the top. I don't really have a lot of holes to patch up, but it's too short. It, it, it was getting too thin and it was too short. So I'm patching, the edges and just sticking more on there and squeezing them up so that I have a bit of an edge that I can seal the top crust to. And I'm going all the way around to be sure I have enough and that it's not too thin and that I don't have any holes. Once your holes are all sealed up and your edges are tall enough you can set that aside. Pull your plastic back out or get some new pieces if you're worried about it. And repeat the process. So start with the water to hold the plastic down, if it still needs it. And then the flour on the top surface that you're gonna roll onto. Flatten your remaining pie dough out into a little disc and put that on the plastic. Sprinkle a little flour over the top of that and spread it around with your palm. Add your top plastic. Make your indentations, one, two, in that direction. One, two, in that direction, and then start rolling. This one only has to be as big in diameter as the top of your pie pan. For mine, I think, what did I tell you, 10 inches for mine? Yours could be smaller, could be a little bigger. I'm using a, a deep dish pie pan because it's what I have upstairs. I have a very small kitchen, so a bunch of my cooking stuff gets stored in the basement. This one happened to be upstairs and the others happened to be downstairs, so decision made. There we go. Now leaving the plastic on there, you don't need to take it off, leave it on there, set that piece of pie crust aside as well, and then rinse your hands and get your stuff put away from the crust and we'll move on to the filling. First we chop the veggies. I just realized you wouldn't even have to use real potatoes. You could use not only frozen peas and frozen carrots and frozen corn. You could also use frozen cubed hash browns. You know, they make those kind that are like, they're like little squares. And they also actually make them with like Potatoes O'Brien where there's onions and peppers in them. And you could use that too. And you wouldn't even have to use potatoes at all. To me... A pot pie with no potatoes is an unfinished pot pie. So I like them. I've washed my potatoes. I'm using the Yukon Gold I told you about. And I'm cutting them at about probably half inch slices. And then I'm going to dice them into probably... Let's see what this looks like. I kind of want them small. You don't want huge chunks of potato. I would say you don't want them more than three quarters of an inch square. Part of that is because then you don't get a bunch of, there's no room in your in your spoon or your fork for a bunch of other vegetables. And part of it is because, as you may remember from pot pies of your youth, the potatoes are always the hottest thing, the last thing to cool. So if they're a little bit smaller, it means you get to eat your pot pie a little earlier. So half-inch cubes, three-quarter-inch cubes, don't let them get too big. You'll regret it later. You could probably use, you know, you could also probably use sweet potatoes. That would be actually quite good. You can use a combination of sweet potatoes with Yukons or russet potatoes will also work. I think I wouldn't use red potatoes. They'd probably be fine. They just won't be quite as tender because they're a little um, what they call waxier. I hate that term. What an unappealing way to describe food. Once you get your potatoes chopped up, I've got three small yukons here I'm using. And it may be a little more than the two cups that I mentioned. And that's fine with me because I really do like the potatoes in my pot pie. I like them. That's probably my favorite part. Oh, you know, I can't say that. Something about the combination. The peas, potatoes, the corn. If you don't like corn, don't put corn in. A lot of pot pies only have peas. I think, you know, if you buy a Swanson pot pie or whatever, I don't think they have corn in them. I think they only have peas in them. All right, once your potatoes are all cut up, you're going to put them in a microwavable bowl. And in a second, we're going to add some carrots to that. So, I think I have way too many potatoes here. Oh, oh well. I am going to try... Here's where we get into the part where I told you I don't measure stuff. I gave you measurements. You can measure if you want. I'm going to use what looks to be two fairly sizable carrots. And I don't like to scrub them. It's a pain. I don't... I just don't... (laughs) This is so silly. I just don't want to scrub my my carrots. So I peel them instead. It seems faster and more efficient to me. And we're going to chop these up as well. So... You kind of have to guess. I think you have to guess how much it is that you need. I'm chopping off both ends, and then I'm gonna cut the long way. I have a small one I'm cutting in half, and then we're gonna chop it. These, I like small. If you like big carrots, you don't have to actually chop it. You could just slice it. I'm not crazy about cooked carrots. I do want the color and I do want the flavor, but because it's not my favorite thing, I have to hide it for myself, so (laughs) so, I know it's sad, but true. It is sad, but true. And uh, so now I've got this bigger, fatter one, and I'm going to cut that in half. And then I'm going to turn it the other way and cut it in half the other way. So what I have is a long quartered carrot, and then I'm going to chop that up. And I'm making mine maybe, oh, what is that, eighth of an inch? quarter of an inch at most. I'm using my favorite ceramic knife and if you want information about knives you can find that on my website the cookalongpodcast.com. I have a blog about my favorite knives. It's called Knives of Choice. There are a lot of great a lot of great blogs on there. Just stuff I've learned in little short blurbs, stuff I've learned about specific foods or specific tools or ways to cook things that didn't warrant their own podcast but seemed like valuable information and fun information to share. Once your carrots are all cut, throw them in the big microwavable bowl with your potatoes. Some people might at this point suggest you add a tablespoon or two of water. I'm not going to bother with that because I believe that there's enough moisture in the vegetables themselves. And what we're doing here, you do need to cover it. So your bowl has to have some kind of a covering. You could use plastic wrap if you don't have a lid that fits the top of your bowl. We're gonna put it in the microwave oven. And I have a sensor cook setting for potatoes. I'm actually gonna try that. For you, if you don't have such a thing, you could just try microwaving them on a high. I'm gonna say probably about four minutes At four minutes, you should check it. You should stir it around. You should check it with a fork. You want your fork to be able to easily pierce them so they're clearly cooked because they don't really cook in the gravy that we're gonna make. Now we need to chop some onions, about a third of a cup of chopped onion. You could also use shallot. If you have shallot in the house, if you cut off the part where the root is, you can stick that little circle with the roots in it into a shallow container of water and you'll grow yourself a new onion. I always do that. They don't always take. Most of the time they do. And then I stick them in my yard. In fact, I plant them with my strawberries because slugs love strawberry plants. They love the strawberries. And they hate onions, as it turns out. So if you plant them together, your slugs will stay away from your strawberries. Small gardening tip. I am not a gardener. I know just enough to do ridiculously Quirky things out there. I'm chopping the onion, and like I said, about a third of a cup, and like I also said, I don't usually measure this stuff. I happen to have a leftover piece of onion that will happen to provide approximately a third of a cup of chopped onions, but I'm not going to bother to measure it. I don't care. I like onions too. Quarter inch squares. And now we're done with the prep and we get to cook some stuff. So you want a fairly big saucepan. I would say two and a half to 3 quarts saucepan is going to be your best bet. Take your half a cup of butter, which is one stick, or you could use margarine. It doesn't have to be butter. And we're going to chop it up a little bit so it doesn't take forever to melt. I'm just going to cut it into, like, tablespoons, probably. Tablespoon slices, and you want to throw those in your saucepan. And then you wanna turn your brunner on under the stove at about medium. It will behoove us at this point to do something ahead. Not that you need to, it just will make less scrambling later. So I mentioned to you that you need some flour. I also told you to put your flour away. That was a mistake. Apologies, get it back out. You wanna half a cup of flour And this time you could scoop it if you want to. Rather than using the spoon and spooning it out, you could just probably scoop it. I'm going to use the bowl that I made the crust in. That was just flour and oil, and it's kind of been wiped clean. So I'm going to put it in there, and then I'm going to add my teaspoon of salt and my half teaspoon of thyme, and I think I'm going to use some fresh ground pepper rather than pre-ground. I'm going to grind some pepper into this mix. And we're putting it all in a bowl so we can dump it in all at one time. A mm, quarter of a teaspoon. I wonder if that's a quarter of a teaspoon. Yeah, it's close enough. And then stir that up so that you can just dump it in. Because once the butter is melted, this is going in the pan. And we're getting really close to the butter being all melted. So once the butter... It started to bubble a little bit. You're gonna get your chopped onions and add them to the butter. And we need to just stir those in that bubbling butter till they soften up a bit. I'm gonna turn the heat up to medium high for this because I'm gonna be watching it really carefully so that's fine. You wouldn't wanna leave it alone, it would burn the butter. You can use your stirring implement I'm using a spatula to encourage the pieces of onion that are still sticking in layers to separate so that you don't have big clumps of onion and you have plenty of it spread out throughout the gravy. I've been saying gravy, but I don't really think of pot pie filling as gravy. But it is. It is. That's what we're making here is a nice gravy. It's just not a meat gravy. I guess that's why. So this should only take a few minutes. I'm gonna go check my potatoes and carrots while that starts. Okay, the bowl is really hot. So far, I think they've cooked it about five minutes and they're steaming a lot. The carrots carrots are pretty tender. Potatoes are not ready. So I'm gonna stir this up and I'm gonna stir the buttered, buttered onions I could probably just leave this to steam and they would cook, but I, uh, as you probably have heard before, I'm not a patient person, so I'm just going to put it back in, and I think I'm going to give it maybe two more minutes. Now, back to the onions. When are you looking for them to get soft? Sometimes that's described by saying they're translucent, which means they're not quite so white anymore. Going along at a pretty good clip now, though, so I'm going to guess that this will take four or five minutes before I'm happy with these onions, because there are a lot of larger chunks that still have their layers attached that are uh, not wanting to come apart, that are clearly not clear. They're <laughs> definitely still white. I don't need to caramelize them, though. We don't need to brown them or anything. We just don't want them too crunchy, because they won't decrunchify as we're baking. starting to feel kind of soft. I think maybe I'm going to call this good. So now we're going to take the flour mixture we put together and just dump it in here with the butter. And this is how you make something called roux, r-o-u-x, which is the basis for all gravies and many sauces like a bechamel sauce or a Mm, a white sauce, a lot of sauces. Start with a roux, which is your oil and your flour in even amounts. You stir it up, it develops into this kind of paste, and just let it bubble for a minute so that everything kind of blends together. And I'm going to turn the heat back down to just sort of medium low. And now we can stir in the chicken broth. I should have had you measure that out so that we didn't have to stop stirring the roux because it's going to start to thicken and actually brown a little bit. This is good unless it gets like pasty and stuck to the bottom. So measure out your one and a quarter cups of chicken broth. See, again, I don't usually measure it, so I don't have to do this pause here, but I'm trying to do it by measurements for you. Pour that in to your roux. Now, at this point, the roux becomes your thickening agent. That's what'll turn it into gravy. And you'll notice as you stir it, it gets kind of lumpy and it gets kind of thick. And it gets thicker than we really want it because we're not done adding liquid yet. So now we've got this really thick, looks like mashed potatoes. Keep your heat low. And now we're going to stir in the milk. Milk or cream. I think I'm going to use the pea milk like planned rather than getting the evaporated milk out. And this, we want about three quarters of a cup. Oh, that was way too much. Rats. Well, I'll just hang on to it and see what happens. I measured out about a cup. And I'm leaving the rest of the quarter here handy in case this is still too thick and I want more and I think I'm gonna yeah it's quite thick so I'm going to go ahead and add just a tiny bit more milk I've never done this before with a uh, plant-based milk and it may be that it behaves differently and I have made myself a mess I hope not that would be sad I am however going to use the full cup that I poured out by accident and it's still quite thick And hopefully yours is as well, you know, not having the dairy thing with you. Uh, I don't know what yours looks like, but it should be pretty thick, and there should be kind of a lot of it. And now we're going to stir in the wine. A tablespoon, two tablespoons, a splash, whatever moves you. I will measure it again because that's what I'm trying to do to help. So I'm going to stir in the one tablespoon, and then I'm going to smell what I have here in the pot. If you can smell the wine, it might be enough. And I can, but it's going away. I'm going to add the second tablespoon, because what the heck. Believe it or not, we're almost done here. So the onions are already in there. Now what we do is hope that the chicken's defrosted. I'm going to turn the heat off. I have an electric stove. If you have a gas stove, don't turn your heat off. Just turn it way down. Electric stove, you'll find that you have enough residual heat to kind of keep things moving, even with the burner off. Now I'm going to get my potatoes out of the microwave and just pour them into this gravy stuff. This will add a little more liquid as well. Stir that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. See, now it starts to look like pot pie filling. And it'll do that even more when we add the peas. Have a cup. Have a cup of these babies. Or whatever moves you. If you like the peas, put more peas in if you want more peas. I'm trying to be good and follow the measurements. Actually, half a cup looks probably about right. And then you want to do the same with the corn. And it goes. And stir that in, because those things that are still frozen, they need that heat. kind of separate and you know defrost a little bit. While that is happening, we can come back to the chicken. If you haven't already cut your chicken up into cubes, now is the moment, now is your last chance. This does not have to be in any way even or meticulous or picky, just chop it into little bite-sized pieces, whatever that means to you. And defrosted quite perfectly while it was in the warm, the bowl of water in its sealed package. I don't think you want to just put a chicken breast in the water. On the other end, if you boiled it in water, I hope it's cool enough to handle now. And just uh, cut it up all into the size of what you like to eat, and drop those into the mix as well. Stir that in. Yeah, the pea milk definitely makes it thicker than a cream would have. Normally what I use is, is heavy cream. I use whipping cream. Sometimes I use heavy whippy cream. Sometimes I use regular whipping cream. I just happen to have used that all up yesterday. And I don't have more coming into my house until tomorrow. Now, you got a, a saucepan full of yummy sauce. Now get your bottom pie crust in its pie pan and set it in front of you and dump this whole mixture into the crust. It should fill it up pretty well. You may even have extra. If it's not too much extra, I think you can brave just piling it in there, unless it's really too wet and it's gonna pour over the sides. It'll condense a little bit as it cooks, but not a lot. Spread it around in there. And now, it's time to take the top plastic off of your other pie crust your flat one your top crust peel it off gently just like you did the last one try not to tear the crust it's more of a nuisance with the top crust than it is with the bottom crust and after you get rid of the top piece of plastic pick up the bottom piece of plastic by putting your hand underneath it and then flip the whole piece of plastic with the pie crust over on top of your pie filling. You don't need it to overlap so much as you need it to meet the edges as much as you can. And then what you're going to do is peel off that plastic really, really carefully so that you don't tear it because it's much more of a pain to fix this one if it tears than it was to fix the bottom one. And then... And you get the plastic peeled away, you want to start at the edges of the pie and crimp the bottom crust together to the top crust so that you're sealing it up so where it would leak out at the edges, there's no way for it to be out. Now mine is clearly, I didn't get it centered very well, so at this point you can also, if you have too much on one side, you can peel some of that off and move it around to the side that maybe doesn't have enough and just sort of stitch it on there. And the more you do that, the less pretty it gets. I'm not worried about prettiness today. I don't have company coming. I'm just going to eat my favorite pot pie. So I don't care what it looks like. Go all the way around, sealing the edges of the top and the bottom together as much as you can. Pull off the extra. Use it where you need it. You can crimp it at this point, making like little wave shapes around the outside. You could take a fork. And press the tines down into the edges all the way around, like, like with a peanut butter cookie. You know, it's got that fork fork pressure thing into it. And you could do that all the way around and give it these little ridges. Or you can just leave it rustic, which is what I am doing. I'll take a picture to show you. And then, one last step. You take your sharp knife and you cut three to five slits in it. I usually do it in like a cross shape or a star shape. They're about one inch long and you just want holes so the steam can escape. Hopefully, when your pie bubbles up, it's going to do so through those cracks that you made, instead of through the cracks that you didn't have properly fixed together, sealed together on the edges. But, just to be sure, we're going to bake this, or at least I am, on a cookie sheet so that if it bubbles over, it's not making a mess in the bottom of my oven, which smokes and smells and takes forever to get off. Now what happens is it goes into your preheated 425 degree oven. And you're just going to leave it there for about 35 to 45 minutes until you see that the 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 sauce in the middle is starting to bubble through the cracks. The crust is turning brown, a little bit brown and golden. And uh, you can tell that it wants to burble through. And that's how you know it's done. Remember, you don't have to work too hard at that because it's really about appearances and having everything become bubbly together. More about that than it is about cooking anything because we pre-cooked everything, right? So we don't need to worry about that. Once it comes out of your oven, if you ever had pot pie before, this is, you, you probably already know this is a really important step. Don't try to eat it right away, please. It will burn your tongue. It will. I don't n- know if I've ever had pot pie that I didn't burn my tongue on. So leave it to sit for maybe 15 minutes before you even cut it to serve it. It'll help the gravy thicken up a little bit and make it a little more solid and easier to cut. It'll be a little less soupy that way. Sometimes they're quite soupy, sometimes they're quite dry. You just are never gonna know until you cut into it. And then even when you do serve it, eat it with caution. Remember the potatoes. The potatoes stay hot the longest. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you have questions for me. I would love to field your questions about how to modify this for other flavors, other ingredients. I would really love to hear about your experiments of things that you put in that maybe I've never thought of. And those kind of questions and comments can be left for me on the Facebook page for the Cook Along podcast. And I will get back to you if you leave me anything. I promise I will respond and probably fairly quickly because I check it a couple of times a day. If you're looking for a dessert for this recipe, I wouldn't recommend a pie to go after it, but there are tons of really lovely cookie recipes, cakes, non-pie or cake kind of miscellaneous desserts, wonderful things on the website, thecookalongpodcast.com. And again, I do hope you will also visit my Patreon page where I post some of the blogs. I just posted a great one about baked potatoes, and you think... What's so special about baked potatoes that it needs its own blog? Well, read the blog and you'll find out. And you can find that both on my webpage and on the Patreon page. Patreon.com, the Cook Along Podcast. Until next time, happy cooking.